first question because it's one I've always wondered about. Um, I see you around and we go all of these conferences together, but the hat. So you got the cowboy hat here. Show show us on the camera. Everybody needs to see. And you just put a new uh, water for good. Um, yeah, now people will recognize you now. Yep. <laughs> so what's the story behind the hat? When my wife and I were on our honeymoon, we went down to um, to Disney World and they had cowboy hats. Now that first hat was a leather one. I since realized um, leather doesn't keep as well in, in rain and so forth, so I've, I've switched the style. But I like the hat, and we I've worn it ever since. And really? it's, um, it, it keeps some of the heat off um, because, you know, I'm often out in the hot sun, um, whether I'm working on stuff or there, it also keeps the rain off. Um, it's really handy. You walk around with your own umbrella. So that was that was when it started. That was is right when then. it started, and I've worn it ever since. Huh. So the key is not leather, um, and the reason is because it keeps yeah. the keeps the heat off and it keeps the rainwater off. Totally crushable. Oh, that too. All right, yeah. Tr- transport's easy. Yeah, because I I have to stick it in luggage compartments all the time. So, wow, wow. Okay, so I want to jump in, and we're gonna kind of catch the story. Um, you know, two thousand four. By the way, I, I want to make sure everybody um, gets a picture of the book. Um, one drop of water, which uh, I have finished reading, and you know, tell us. You just you wrote this recently, um, and tell us a little bit of the even the impetus for the book. Well, the impetus for the book was the board. Um, when I had a couple of strokes, um, they said, you're going to take a break. And I said, take a break. What am I, what am I going to do? And they go on, well, number one, you're going to write a book. And I go on, I don't know how to write a book. They said, you'll figure it out. You have a year to figure it out. So they gave me a year off. And we had a man step in to the leadership role while I was there. And I wrote a book. I also did some consulting work in a number of different countries um, because I have, to, <laughs> I have to do something. And so, um, but uh, they were very, very generous. They gave me a year off. I wrote the book. I, I almost finished it during that year. And then afterwards, then I got busy. And so they finally said, okay, we're going to help you finish it. And that's, um, they helped me get it done. Did the cover for it. I'm really happy that they helped me because it would have taken longer. Now, there's other people who helped as well, like Jesse Delo, who helped incredibly in that, as well as my wife, and she had incredible patience as I worked through this. So, and there's um, John Shirk. I don't know if you know mm. him up in Chicago. He's he has written books too, so he helped me. So the three of them were instrumental in getting it done and you can get it at the water for good website and it just again it tells your whole story the journey from beginning to end um quite amazing but i I do want to start kind of uh, at the end so give us a picture of what water for good is today what do you do um what's the scope of that's being accomplished through water for good give us kind of the big picture of water for good today if nobody's ever heard of it If you've never heard of it, um, what I'd like to start with is um, we take care of water in the Central African Republic right now for a million people. 
they drink our water every single day, and that's because we maintain 1,900 wells. Um, it's not only drilling the well, but it's maintaining it afterwards. So now for 17, almost 18 years, we've been taking care of every well that we drill or well that somebody else drilled that didn't take care of. Notoriously in sub-Saharan Africa, when you drill a well, it lasts approximately 18 months, sometimes two years, and then it's broken because of a $5 part, a $2 part, um, but they just don't have the parts. You're in remote areas, and so what we do is not only drill the well, but take care of the well afterwards and continue to maintain it for the long term. Uh, and you, how many staff um, do you have there in the CAR? In the CAR now, we have 85 staff. And those are nationals, mainly, All nationals, right? um, a national director. Um, we have nationals that handle the finances, that do the inventories, that order things, that also clear all the customs. So we have a container coming in um, this month, the end of this month. Um, actually, it's now arriving December 4th. And that is another, you know, they'll clear, clear that custom. I won't even see it. Hmm. They take care of all of that. And it's just a pretty incredible staff. Some of them have been there since I started in 2004. Some of them have come afterwards. Very, very talented people, geologists, drillers, um, anything you can think of related to water. So uh, this is kind of fascinating, right? You have this container coming in. Where is it coming from and what's in the container? Okay. Um, it depends on where it's coming from to where what's in it. So from Ivory Coast, we order all our casing, all our PVC casing. So the casing comes in, and it's only casing. Hmm. When we get things from France, sometimes now they have solar equipment in them. They have solar panels in them. They have tank, the tank systems that we're building. They have those in them, and they have pump parts in them. And then India, we get parts for our India Mark II pumps, which we don't normally install, but other organizations have them, so we have to take care of those as well. So it depends on where they're coming. From the states, they have everything you can think of, including skid loaders, forklifts, um, angle iron, whatever. You know, we've filled them up. Uh, Midwest Rake helped us get this last container out, and they have shovels and rakes. Now, we've, we've dug, we dig... For our solar systems, we dig trenches three foot deep all through the village. And those are to make sure nothing washes out and it comes back up to the top. So these shovels are going to make an incredible difference. So I just have the deepest respect for people like um, Midwest Rake who help us get the things done with more better quality shovels than we would ever get in the Central African Republic. So how big is this crate going to be? I mean, like... it's it's 40 foot long. Okay. 10 so, foot long, 10 foot wide, 40 foot long. That's a crate. And how many of those will come? I mean, is that kind of coming on a There's, fairly regular basis? Regular basis. We have two that just arrived that are just cleared. We have one that's on route and we have one that's arriving in, you know, f- what? six days. Hmm. So uh, they're constantly arriving. And so it's constant work. So every time that, that, that arrives, then somebody has to do the inventory of it. They have to get it all uh, put in the proper places, taken care of. Um, it's, it's a huge job. And that's why we have the staff that we have. Well, it, I think for me, what's fascinating about this is, right, I mean, it's, it's a very um, 
noble thing and even emotional to think about those who don't have water and have to walk miles and it's dirty and 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 now they're able to be provided water but all the logistics and all of the technicalities and expertise and that goes into it is astounding like it, it's it's not just you know hey i i would love to go drill, drill well <laughs> it's a, it's a lot more than that um so explain a little bit um i have well water at my house and i have no idea how my own well works but uh how does a well work in africa what what do you do how do you you go to a village explain to us the process of installing and deciding how to put in a well so um, the first thing, of course, is drilling the well. And in Africa, we have to go anywhere from 80 to 400 feet deep. So uh, sometimes they're very, very deep. Sometimes they're shallower, depending on the region that you're drilling in. Sometimes it goes through granite rock. So we use what is called a downhole hammer that actually hammers through the, through the rock. And we can underneath the rock is usually a closed aquifer, which means it's pressurized which means the water comes up, which is really nice because then it's not a deep. So you drill down 300 feet, but then the water comes up another 100 feet. So now you're only pumping from 200 feet. Oh, that's, that's a lot nicer. So we have open aquifers. We have closed aquifers. You drill the hole. Then we have another team that comes in. So that's the drill team. They leave. They do a test pumping, and then they, they leave. And then the cement slab team comes in and they build the cement slab and prepare everything for the actual pump to go on. Then the next team is the pump install team and they come in and they install the pump. And there's usually about a week difference because we kind of set, set up a process, okay, all these things are gonna happen. And it just takes, takes time to get it done. So from start, from drill to finish is probably a month. Hmm. So it does take some time, but the people, you know, from the day you drill the well, people are excited. They can't wait. They can't wait for something to happen. You mentioned solar as well. So there, there has to be some solar electrical component yeah. here. So we have started solar projects. We had small solar projects before, which would be just a small solar pump. A, a, um, they, they're real small, but they do, they do pump water. Um, but now we have big pumps that have 8,000-gallon tanks. So this is a steel tank that's bolted together, kind of like a Brock bin. Mm. If you can think mm -hmm. of a Brock bin, it's only about maybe 10 to 15 feet across. But then there's a bladder inside. We pump water in it, and then we can actually inject chlorine into it as it's pumping. So that's more sanitation for anything they put it, put it in. Because remember, these are villagers they're putting water in dirty jugs. So we try and get them to clean that out. We've taught them some ways to do it. They're not gonna go take water home and boil it and clean out their jug. So if we put chlorine in it, that, how, that helps a little bit at least. Mm -hmm. So there's still some disease that might be in there, but we are able to get, and all our wells are tested once a year. So we know the wells are clean. We know we're injecting chlorine in the solar tank project, so that's good. But a hand pump, we have no way of, you know, checking what they're putting the the um, water into. Hmm. So we know where there's some problems. There's just not much we can do. So I, I I've seen a picture of these grain bins, right? It looks like a mm -hmm. big grain bin, but it's almost like a massive grain bin that's also a water softener cleaner. 
yep. thing. <laughs> it, I mean, it's it's like a water tower. We put sand in the bottom. Yeah. Um, I was just talking to the team today, and they they had to put, let's see, he said five meters of sand in it so that there would be enough elevation for the gravity feed because it's gravity feed. We don't okay. pump it. Yeah. And they, it still holds 8,000 gallons, so they just add more to the top. So the 8,000 gallons, how, why so much? That's because it needs to last all night. People still get water after dark. Pump quits working because we have no battery system. We've decided that that's too many problems keeping the batteries working. Hmm. So what we do is just pump when, when the sun comes up. And actually, the sun comes up and it starts pumping even before it doesn't have direct sunlight. The light actually affects the panels right away. That's amazing. So um, it's really good panels. Uh, Water Mission is the organization that has worked uh, and helped us develop this um, process. They help us ship um, panels over. We get the panels from here, the Grunfoss pumps from here, the other stuff we're getting actually from France. So mm-hmm. it's, I mean, it just stuff comes from all over and gets the job done. And that's another amazing part of this story, right? Is all the partners. You think of those who design pumps and you think many people know Mudlove and the bracelets and how that uh, may, many may not know that that, you know, proceeds from that supports water for good and I mean just the all the various yeah. partners that are involved in this effort and um uh, I the, the thing that is amazing, right, is we were talking even before that it's not ultimately about the water. Yeah. And uh, I think you were telling that story in chapel to students last week of yeah. being kind of quizzed by some nationals of like, so no, but really why? Why? Well, and they asked me, why are you here? And I said, well, I'm here to make sure the guys are doing a good job. Did they do a good job? And they said, yeah, yeah, they did fine. You didn't do anything. Excuse me, why are you here? And then you have the opportunity to say, well, why I'm here is to make sure you know why we do this. We do this because we want you to know our Jesus. He's not just, this is a Muslim community. I said, he's not just a prophet like you believe. He is the savior of the world. And without him, you don't have any promise of heaven. Mm. And people just go, all right, that's a good reason. You know, the other reason, no. I don't believe they needed you here at all. And I said, well, that's a, that's a compliment to them, and I feel that's true, but I am here because I want to make sure you hear who Jesus is. Hmm. And that's uh, that's really what this is all about. Um, I wanted to kind of get into those technical aspects just so people got a, a flavor for what Water for Good is and what all you do. And again, the book gives a lot of details of the story uh, from you know your childhood on up and how God has prepared you for this good work. I do want to go to 2004, though, and have you talk just a little bit about um, how this thing got started and uh, the the situation and and why and why it felt right. And just tell us a little bit about the founding of Water for Good. Thank you. Um, it, It is interesting. So I had done a lot of hunting. I love to hunt. Um, the owner of the drill rig was Roland Marov. He is also a hunter. So he and I went hunting in, in a northern part of the country. We love to hunt. We did a couple of these. And then we went back and we took our sons. 
I, he took his, old, his only son, and I took my oldest son. Next time I went, I took my next son down, and he took his son again. So we hunted together a lot. So when he got ready to sell the business, he wanted to sell it. We had gone through one war and a second war, and he said, you know, I got to get rid of it. The government was also taxing him out of the business. I didn't realize that, but I learned it later. So then um, he came to me and said, Jim, um, I, I'd like to sell you my business. And I said, roll on. There's a little problem here. You just don't understand. Missionary and money have never understood each other or been related. You know, we're not, we haven't been introduced. There's no way I can buy, you know, I have no money. And he goes, well, you know, uh, you can buy it on time. You know, you can just pay me something every year. And I said, it's not going to work. It really is not going to work. He came to me twice, kept trying to convince me to do this, and then we went out. In 2003, I went out. Water um, and Compass had asked me to go out, take a look at the Fulani people and the Pygmy people and see how they were doing because we hadn't been in the country for two years. And they wanted to know, how are these two people groups, their unreached people groups, how are they doing? So first we went to the Fulani people up near Bangui, back behind the capital city of Bangui because they have the cattle. So the people don't want them close. And their main problem was water. Mm. They, they had to walk miles to get clean, any kind of clean water. It wasn't really clean then. And they said, if you could just drill a well. I said, well, the mission doesn't drill wells. You know, there's no way, no way I can help you with this. Um, but, you know, we'll bring you some food. We'll do, you know, we'll do what we can. So we left there. And then... We went in the forest, and Roland met me in the forest. He had coffee and lunch. Now, in the forest, there's not too many places to stop for anything. So basically, I said, we're stopping. Had a cup of coffee, and right away he said, okay, Jim, if you will start a nonprofit, because the government is going to tax you out of the business if you don't, but if you will start a nonprofit, I will give it to you for one cent. And I said, well, that's a little different, but there's two problems. He goes, what are those? I said, I've never started a nonprofit. And to date, I've never drilled a well. I don't know either. I don't know anything about either one of them. He goes, oh, you know, I'll take you to Sweden. I'll drill a well there. And then I'll take you to the CAR and I'll drill a well there. And then you'll be fine. I'm going, two wells? (laughs) He said, Jim, you're, you're a smart guy. You'll figure it out. And I have a team that you can work with, and they can help you get started. And then you'll learn. I know you'll learn. Well, we went on down to the rainforest. As we were going down the rainforest, um, we were talking. My friend and I were talking. Okay, so what, you know, how do you do this? What I go, it's, it's just not going to work. I don't know where to buy stuff. I don't know how to buy stuff. I don't know what to buy. Where would I get it? You know, I, you know, and I don't know anything about drilling. I don't know how to start a nonprofit. I don't even know the first thing about it. And we got all the way back there. When we got back there, the guy, the pygmies, it was one o'clock in the morning. The pygmies woke up. They started a big bonfire. They kind of said, hey, Jim, this is great. How, how'd you get here? 
I said, well, there was 99 trees down, so we had walked. Wow. We walked, um, we walked, uh, what was it, 36 miles? Oh, wow. In six and a half hours. 23 miles in six and a half hours. Now, the reason was we're follow, following two pygmies who were leading the way, and pygmies don't walk. They trot. <laughs> So for 23 miles, we were trying to keep up with these pygmies, crossing trees, doing everything, and we did it in six and a half hours. Got out there, and you know they, they were celebrating, and then they said, Jim, usually we save water for you, and we didn't save any. We didn't know you were coming. And they said, you're going to have to go down to the stream. Well, it was an hour and a half walk down to the, the stream, which really isn't a stream. It's a spring it springs up in the middle, so it kind of bubbles up, but they're washing their clothes. They're washing it. My friend goes, I'm not even going to drink any of that. I'm not even going to wash my hands in that. And he said, We're just, we'll just get, get all the way back to the truck. I said, it's six and a half hours back to the truck. He goes, we'll do it. So we went back up the hill, and we headed out. Well, all the way there, he, he did turn to me, and he said, Jim, if you had that drill rig, you could fix this. And I'm going, that's not fair. <laughs> you know, I don't know what I'm doing. He goes, Jim, you'll figure it out. And um, he was right. I didn't think he was right, but he was right. Mm -hmm. And God is to be given all the glory. He really helped me understand what to do. I went to a lawyer here in town in Warsaw, started the process, I got the letter back from the government, and he said, couldn't have happened. He said, that six weeks is not enough time. You can't have the right letter. Let me see it. So I brought it into his office, and he goes, I can't believe it. It's never happened that fast in all my born days. I said, well, God's behind this, just, just so you know. He goes, okay. And then, so, and then I went out to Africa, and I got permission out there, so I— set up another organization there. I had to set up a nonprofit there in country. And that was that's how it started. And ever since then, God has blessed in incredible ways. Hmm. Well, we've uh, just gotten a little taste of uh, what has happened in you know from 2004 to now. And there was a lot in between and there was a lot before. And uh, with the Lord's blessing, there'll be a lot to come. And, and we were talking even before just how much of a privilege it is, right, to sit down yeah. and have a little talk and yeah. have a little bit of water while we uh, while we talk. And if we wanted more water, we could get it really easily. Um, but that's not the case for many in the world. And uh, it's amazing to see the million-plus people on a daily basis that you're able to provide water to and ultimately share living water with. And I, I want to share kind of in closing that, you know, it really is because our national staff. I want to add value to them and what they do. They are incredible guys. They're on the road every day. Um, they are just doing incredible. They're drilling wells right now. Um, they're in the lower part of Sangambayere. And I'm, I, we could not do this without it. It had, takes a team, and they are part of the team, and we try and emphasize with them that they are part of the team. Hmm. And you're headed to go see them here in just a few days. Just a few days. Oh. I'm looking forward to it. 
Jim, thank you for sharing with our students last week and being on the podcast this week. And thank you for your life and ministry and the impact it's having. Well, thanks to Grace, not only for college, for my wife, but also for seminary and the training that I had there. I did cram the three years into six, but I got it done. (laughs) It's the reverse of our now three-year program, huh? (laughs) Yeah, it is. Well, thank you all for listening as well to the Grace Story podcast today. Our music was written and produced by Dr. Wally Brath. And thank you as well to our co-producers, Ryan and Rick. And wherever you got this from, we pray that you would uh, share it so that others can hear Jim's testimony. And we pray that you have a great Grace Story today.